good to be in the house of the Lord this evening, amen? It's good to be saved on your way to glory. Well, I said it's good to be saved on your way to glory. I mean, you could be under a bridge. Could be living in, uh, you know, an old wine bibber, an old wine, you know, uh, a wino, a drunkard. But here you are saved on your way to glory. You are going to heaven, right? You do believe that, right? Yeah, I believe John 14, 1 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You know, Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, You believe in God. Hello? You believe in God? Then believe also in me, he says. I know where you have troubled times and there's troubles and trials in this life and this world, but. Folks, compared to eternity, it's only temporary. Just a moment. Just a moment. We're just going to a place where we're going to live forever, Brother James. For, forever. Just forever. How long is forever? Forever. And we sit here like a not on log. I mean, you know, how many watched the Auburn and Alabama game yes, uh, yesterday, right? Huh? Now, don't sit here. I've seen hands go up. Now, 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 listen with me. Stay with me now. Don't, don't, don't go, go pray. It ain't praying time yet. But uh, I wonder how many of you were saying, "Go, go, go." Huh? Hollering at a TV. I've had them moments in my life before too. You know, I've had some things come on the TV. You know, these idiots in Washington and all this stuff that's going on in our country and. And I'll say, you stupid idiot. And my son will sit over there. He says, Daddy, they can't hear you. <laughs> but uh, sure helps me feel better. Amen. <laughs> but yesterday, he was watching that game and that player run that hundred and some yard all the way back, you know. And, and my daughter was saying, go, go, go. And I, I thought, my soul, I wonder if how many would be saying, uh, here tonight, if you were, if your pastor was up here preaching, you'd say, preach! Uh, the Portuguese word for preach is prega. And sometimes down in Brazil, when the nationals t and I are taking turns preaching in the prisons, and uh, he'll translate for me a lot, and, and sometimes I'll just say, brother, you go ahead. I don't need to be recognized or it's not about me, folks. It's about the God in heaven that I serve and believe in. And so sometimes I'll stand behind that national as he's standing there and I'll go, Prega, Prega, Prega. And he'll preach, son. Don't understand it, but he's preaching. Huh? Now I'll tell you one. Maybe I'll give you a little uh, a little uh, uh, word uh, in uh, Portuguese. Uh, I, I'm trying to get to where I want to get here, but uh, we'll just mind the Lord. Psalm 16, where we're going to preach from. But if you want to go ahead and turn there, but uh, I'll be in the prison sometimes down in Brazil, and and Brother Jerry, I I walk into this prison. I put it in my not this last prayer letter, but the one before that. 
I'll go into the prisons in, in Brazil, and uh, as you know, I've been a chaplain at uh, Southern uh, over here at uh, Western Youth for 12 years, going in that prison on a daily basis, working in that prison, witnessing, counseling, trying to help young men through some tragedies and some bad decisions and choices they've made in life. I know no one's here ever done that, right? No one's ever made those bad decisions and choices. And then the consequences from those choices, you've never had to deal with those consequences, have you? You never made any bad decisions, have you? We're all just goodly and godly saints here tonight, right? I think the Bible, you know, the scripture says we're sinners, if you will. They don't say it verbatim, but I mean, you understand what I'm saying. It says we're sinners saved by grace. Just an old sinner standing here this evening, been born again, washed in the precious blood, didn't understand it all as a 15-year-old boy when the preacher was preaching that day, but he preached about a place called hell. Well, I just knew I didn't want to die and go there. That's a good reason, amen. Uh, <laughs> and I went forward as a 15-year-old boy, trusted Christ as my Savior. I wished I could stand here and tell you I lived for him ever since, but I can't. Because I got my eyes on man, and I fell by the wayside, and things happened, and life, you know, the pull of this world and the things of it. And, but there is a God in heaven that is able to get your attention, get you back into the things you're supposed to be in. You see, I knew in my heart where I needed to be and should be, but I wasn't doing it. I knew I belonged in the house of God. I knew. There was a deep conviction in my heart knowing where I belonged and where I wasn't. I was out and doing great stupid stuff. But there is a God who put a man in my pathway that witnessed to me, got me back in church, and here I stand today. 30 years later. What about that? 30 years later. 30 years. I ain't much, don't claim to be much, but I can just tell you this much. I've been trying to live for God and serve Him for the last 30 years of my life. And it's, where did it go, Brother Jerry? I mean, where did it go? It goes. But listen to me. I walk out of that prison, and here we walk out in that, uh, back in my, my, my last prayer, uh, back in July, I was in a prison down in Brazil, and I walked into that prison, and boy, the smell, the, the odor, I, I've learned one thing, that you can smell sin. Now, each prison, I don't know if anybody's ever uh, went to prisons, been in the prison ministry, or done anything like that. Uh, I mean, it's not everybody's cup of tea, believe me. I've had folks tell me God knew what he was doing when he called me to the prison ministry. I mean, look at me, you know. Hello. <laughs> you know, is anybody going to argue with me? No. Huh? Huh? Especially when they found out I was in the Marines and they, they'll, they'll look at me and they'll take a second look, you know. That's good, amen. They, they take a second look, amen. I'm a man, you know. I, you know, I, I'm a man. Hello, I believe that's what God wants us to be, is men. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to get off on that one, but I, I could, you know. <laughs> it wouldn't take but just a minute. <laughs> you say, go ahead. <laughs> Huh? 
Hey, folks, I preached to 75% of the young men that had never known, never had a father figure in their life. And I'm looking at some men here tonight that need to grow up and be some men. Be a husband and a father to your children. God's given you a responsibility to raise them. Now, you can push it off on your wife if you want to, but it's your responsibility. You have an obligation, a duty, before God Almighty to raise your children in the house of God. And the only way they're going to get there is if Daddy leads the way. Uh, ain't no time for playing. But I walk out of that prison, I smell that sin. Boy, that day, that Monday, July the 15th, I'll never forget this day, don't want to forget it. I walked into this prison, I, I walk out in the middle of this prison, be two, three hundred men in this East Pavilion, Oak Mare Pavilions, and, and I walk out there and I go, Vigna ovir palabla tadeos. Por favor, Vigna ovir. Vigna ovir, por favor. He'll look at me. You ain't no Brazilian. Who are you? What are you? What did I just say? I said, come hear the word of God. Vinyovir, come here. The word of God. There'll be about 300 men stop what they're doing gather around in a circle sometimes and stop what they're doing. Playing soccer, whatever it is they're doing. Is that me? Put the stop playing soccer. They'll go put their t-shirts on. They'll gather around and they'll listen to this preacher preach. You know what some of them will say sometimes? When are you going to come back? We have preachers, they'll say, we have preachers come in here, but they just sing songs and tell us a story. We've never had a man like this come in here and preach to us. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but we need some preachers in our land that will stand up, preach Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. Need some preachers. God's blessed to have a permission pass, a that allows me to go into 150 prisons in the state of Sao Paulo, Brazil. Unheard of. In the state of Sao Paulo, unless you're a national, that's the only reason they give you that permission pass. But here I go. I go into these prisons. gives me access, liberty to go into these prisons, 150 of them, and preach. We have four nationals down there that are helping and doing and the work down there. We go into these prisons, not only that, but I've been, you know, I, I went to Ukraine just back in September, preached over in the prison in Ukraine, traveled 1,500 miles in a van, believe me, and it wasn't a minivan either, amen. It wasn't a, a, a leather cushion riding seat neither. It was a transport van. I'm not, I'm not, you know, go up to them prisons and go in there. You have to understand the communistic mindset of 70 years being told there is no God. You have to understand the reasoning, the mindset of folks. You can't comprehend it till you see it. You have to understand that they've been told for 70 years there is no God. But now you, 
to have liberty, freedom to go into the prisons and preach the gospel of Christ. Stand on the very platform where they used to sow their doctrine and dogma. There is no God. And now you're standing there preaching Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. I had a 69-year-old man weeping and crying as I was preaching one day. I looked to my left, and he was sitting over there weeping, this older man in prison. He was weeping and crying. And after this invitation, he come forward, and he come over there, and he just grabbed me, and he hugged me, and he patted me on the back, and he said, in his Russian, and then my translator, and he says, I knew there was a God. I was just waiting on someone to tell me. You hear me? He knew. He knew there was a God. Venya Ovir. Four for more. Venya Ovir. I'm here the word of God going in that prison for 12 years telling young men about a man named Jesus. States closed the door. What am I going to do? Sit down and do nothing? No. I'm going to stay with the Rock of Ages prison ministry and I'm going to do prison work. I'm going to do, start doing more international work. The door of opportunity is there. Opportunity is available to go. I'm willing to get on a plane. Why? Because I want someone to get saved and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's, that is the reason, Brother Terry, that Solid Rock Baptist Church exists today. Uh, the, the main purpose, the main reasoning for this church to exist in this community is to getting out the furtherance of the gospel. We get, we get past that. We get beyond that. We get, uh, we, 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 we get to a point. I've been to some churches that were dead, dry as a box of crackers. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way I know to describe it. <laughs> they ain't doing nothing for God. They, 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 there's no preaching. There's, there, there's, no, there's no prayer. There's no praising. No one's willing to give a testimony. Uh, I go in there and I preach. They look at me like, oh, I'm, well, they think I'm crazy. <laughs> I, who is he? My soul, I've been told I'm different. Praise God. I'm glad I'm different. Amen. I, I, I've had folks tell me, says, well, we ain't never heard it like that. Huh? I preached in a church down in Williamston, North Carolina, uh, one of our supporting churches down there on the coast. If you ever got hung up on something, preacher, and you just didn't know how to, you was going to get, get <clears throat> you couldn't get, get there, you couldn't get no further than that little point, if you will. Well, I was preaching on Philippians 121. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's all I was doing, brother. I could not get past for me to live. Did you hear that? For me to live. For me to live. Is what? For me to live is what? And to die is what? to live. Boy, I thought I'd made a mess of things. I thought I'd done blew it, blew it up, blowed it out, messed it up. Just going to sit down and shut up and leave it. And, you know, I prayed and I said, okay. Mm, Holy Ghost of God. He, come, but that, he, he breathed on that little service right there. 
folks flooded the altar. And that's my wife. There's a woman come to her broken, weeping uncontrollably because she hadn't been the mama she should have been. Had a wayward son. And if she said, if I had been living for Christ, if I had been living for Christ, my son probably wouldn't be in the mess he's in now. For me to live is Christ. I, I, I don't know about you, but that's the only life I have here in this world, this life. For me to live is Christ. We're going to live for God. We're going to serve him. I want you to notice Psalm 16. I'm, I'm going to try to hurry. Uh, I, I, I'm going to live, I'm going to go to the prisons. I, I hope I've made that clear. I hope you understand. I'm not quitting. I, I, I've had a pastor tell me the other day, said, Brother Lonnie, I know you, and I realize that you're not going to stop doing what you're doing. I realize that you're going to be in some kind of ministry. I, 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 folks, I appreciate your, your prayers, your support. I, I, did you hear me? I appreciate it. I'm thankful for it. I could not do what I do. Please don't think it's just a little, little bit of money. Please, I need your prayers. I've had several folks in this church here already come up to me this evening and said, Brother Lonnie, you're on our prayer list. Hmm. Well, when sometimes when you feel like the, uh, everything's against you and the world's come against you, your back's against the wall, and you don't know which way to go, hey, you, you still hear a still small voice, hey, you got folks still praying for you. David sees two things in these passages of Scripture. Now, quickly, I'm going to hurry. Psalm 16, David sees the security. Why does he have security? Because he sees the Savior. There's security in Psalm 16. David says, preserve me. What it says here, O oh God, for in thee do I put my trust. Preserve me. David's confident. David has confidence that God is going to take care of him. Years ago when I surrendered to preach, there was a man by the name of my pastor then was Bill Carrier. I don't know if any of you knew him or knew of him or known of him, but Brother Bill was my pastor, and that's where I surrendered to preach under. That was the man of God I surrendered to preach under. And Brother Bill was preaching one night. I was struggling. I was needing some help. I was needing to hear from heaven. Have you ever been in that predicament? Boy, have you ever come down to the house of God and say, Boy, if I just get me a good drink of water, I'll make it through the rest of the week. God, I've come here wanting, needing to hear from heaven. You ever wanted that? Well, there was a night in my life I was in the church, and boy, I was praying, and I was asking God, God, I need to hear something. I need to get a, your stamp of approval. I need to know that you're with me, not against me. Boy, my pastor was preaching one night. He just touched on, just read Philippians 1, 6 being confident of this very thing. He which begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And boy, the Holy Ghost of God put his signature on that one. He breathed on that one. And the Holy Ghost of God said, that's the one you can stand on. Being confident of this very thing. It's not about me, but it's about him. Being confident. Hey, David says, I have the confidence that I can trust in God. Sometimes we've got to go through some trials to learn to trust Him. 
Sometimes we have tragedy in our lives. Why? We have to trust him. What is he teaching us? I don't like the trials. I don't like the tribulations. I don't like these things, these times of testing, if you will. Well, they're rough. Our son, Ethan, 16, 19 years old, well, he's, back in January, his left lung collapsed on him. Then in October, his right lung collapsed on him. And the second week in October, his left lung collapsed on him again. And six days in the hospital, he was down in Greenville, South Carolina, going to school. And days down there, and boy, I'll tell you, those are some difficult days when you see your child laying there crying in pain, hurting. He said, God, why, Daddy? Sometimes he'd ask me. It's hard. It's difficult to see your children laying there. It's a trial. But you know what my son did one day? We was laying, I was sitting in that hospital room. You know what he did? He was sitting there watching a little TV program. He turned that TV program off. He brought up a, a, these technology today, the phones. He has an iPhone preacher, and he brought up a song. And the title of it was, Oh, Merciful Savior, I believe it was. Am I right, Mama? Oh, Merciful Savior. Then he brought, played another one, In Christ the Lord. Nineteen years old. You know what he told me back in January? You listen up to me, young people. You know what he told me back in January? He said, Daddy, I've learned one thing from this. He said, I've learned one thing from this, Daddy, is that I'm going to die someday. He said, Daddy, all the machines in the world, all the doctors standing around me is not going to matter. He said, Daddy, the only thing's going to matter is that Jesus lives in my heart. You listening to me? When you get down to the end of life's road and you've been through all these tragedies and trials and times of testing, and hey, the only thing that's going to matter is that Jesus. Is that precious name of Jesus. David was secure in that. David says, he'll, I, I put my trust in him. What are you trusting in tonight? Quickly, David says, thou art my Lord. Verse number two. Thou art my Lord. Is he your Lord tonight? Notice what he says, verse number three, but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. What is your passion tonight? What are you passionate about? Huh? What is your desires? I go into the prison sometimes and I'll, 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 add, I'll preach from Psalms 1, verse number 1, especially the thought there, blessed Oh, he just. <laughs> uh, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the seat of the scornful. Blessed is the man. Happy is the man. I'll ask him that question. Are you happy with your life? Are you happy? Huh? I don't think there's many men in prison that argue with that one, though. Uh, I'll ask him, are you happy with your life? Not many do. Walking to that prison, July the 15th. It's the smell of sin, no air stirring. Walking to that prison, vigil, veer. Then I began to preach on 
Psalms 1 and ask them this question, are you happy with your life? And before I even really got started into the message, there was a gentle, cool breeze fell in that place. They were 50 men had gathered around in a circle. Others were standing off and listening. But those 50 men, including myself and my translator, began to weep uncontrollably. <laughs> we began to weep. Reasonable, Jerry. show himself anew and afresh to a lost and dying world? Fifty men began to bawl like babies. Immediately I recognized and I understood what was happening and I give the invitation. Thirty men prayed and asked God of heaven forgive them and save them. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Technology is so advanced in the ways in the world and the things about it. I get out to the car I don't know if any of you ever knew Sister Arlene Brown. I don't know if any of you ever heard of her, knew of her, but she was a lady in our church. See, she had cancer. She found out in March she had cancer. June, she's in a wheelchair. Cancer of the brain, stroke, I mean, she found out in March. Barely could get her voice above a whisper. And she says she wanted to say something. In a wheelchair, sis, dying. Cancer's ravaged her body. They take a mic and they put it up to her. She couldn't even get her voice above a whisper. July the 15th on a Monday on that morning on that July the 15th the gentle cool breeze blew in the prison of Brazil in the state of Sao Paulo while preaching and I get back out to my car and I find out that sister Arlene Brown was graduated to glory now I don't know for certain folks I don't have no definite but I will tell you what the Holy Ghost of God said I paid you a visit I read about Sister Arlene getting, getting promoted to glory, if you will, and the Holy Ghost of God just overflooded my soul and said, I paid you a visit. I don't know for sure, but I like to think that God and Sister Arlene came by and says, let me give you a little touch from another land. Uh, boy, I'd like to have a fresh touch from God, amen. I don't know about you, but I need one. David says, preserve me. He says, in whom is my delight? 
what is your desire tonight? Knowing that, but notice here in verse number 4, it says, Their sorrows shall be multiplied. Thou hast hastened after another God. What is your God tonight? I was preaching, in, uh, not preaching, but I was witnessing to a young man in the prison several a couple of years ago, and uh, the reason it stands out is because of what happened, what took place. Jake, jerk my coat here. I'm going to try to hurry. I get to preaching. Amen. Just anyway, the, I was witnessing to this young man, and he, 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 he prayed, and he asked God to forgive him and Jesus to save him. And immediately when he done that, he pushed back from the desk, bent over, pulled a note, they call it a kite in prison, pulled a note out from his sock, and he started to hand it to me. And I said, son, what is this? I knew what it was, but I wanted him to say it. He said, well, Chaplain Brown, he said, I'm supposed to hand this off. I'm in the gang. I'm supposed to hand this note off. Then he said this, but I can't and I won't. He said, I just invited Jesus into my heart. You hear what I said? I just invited Jesus into my heart. He said, here, take this. I'm not going to do this. I can't and I won't. I took it and I threw it in the trash can. Now listen to me, folks. He come in there with it in his sock. He could have walked out there with it in his sock. But something happened along the way. He asked the God of heaven to forgive him and save him. He was different, folks. Now it's a world within a world, believe me, in the prison system. But believe me, that young man had a testimony that Christ had come into his life. He was different. He wasn't the same. I wonder here tonight, what's in your sock? What's in your sock tonight? What little G is in your life? What little God is stopping you from letting go and letting God have his way in your life? What's in your what's hidden deep within the crevices of your soul? You know it's there. God knows it's there, but you're not doing anything about it. What's in your sock? No one made him. He didn't have to. But the God of heaven changed him. Quickly, I've got to hurry. David's, David's recounting the blessings of following God. Notice what he says, the lines are falling unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. Pleasant places. Boy, he's protected, he's provided, and he says, praise be unto God, I've got a pleasant place. A place where I can go. Huh? Boy, ain't you glad for this place? Huh? Probably some of you, this is right where you met Jesus at. Hello. Huh? This is probably the place where the God of heaven visited your soul, spoke to you, and showed you your need of salvation. Huh? Right here. Huh? David says, I found a pleasant place. He says, I will bless thee who hath given me counsel. 
counselor. That's what I try to do. Counseling, trying to help you. It's what your pastor tries to do Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I'm sure he's counseled many of you. And probably some of you have probably said, it's my life. I'll live it any way I please. Go right ahead. Help yourself. But I assure you, you will regret the day. You will regret it. Quickly, David says, I've set the Lord before me. Now, some of you may see this. You may understand it right from the start. But some of you may not. But I want to show you something that's been on my desk for 12, excuse me, 10 years. I want to show you something that a lady that has rheumatoid arthritis made me 10 years ago. She just wanted to do something for Jesus. So she done something. And this little thing has sat on my desk for 10 years. And boy, has it spoke volumes to people's hearts and lives. I don't know if you can see it or not. I don't know if you can see it well enough to see what that says or not. You see what that says, Brother Jerry? Huh? You see what that says, young man? Y'all see what that says? Huh? You see what that says, son? Do you see it? You still trying to figure it out? Ain't nothing wrong with that, son. You see what that says, sir? See what that says, brother? Huh? You see what that says? Huh? You see that? Huh? Remember that day when you first saw it? Huh? Remember that day? Boy, ain't that something? You see that, son? Ain't that good? Remember that day the Holy Ghost of God paid you a visit and you seen this man for the first time? Huh? Boy, think about it. For 10 years this has sat on my desk. For 10 years, young men would try to look at it and try to figure it out, what it said. For 10 years they would say, Chaplain Brown, is that that Greek? Is that Hebrew? Uh, That... They'd pick it up and turn it around, turn it over, upside down, all kinds of ways, Brother Jerry. They'd try to figure that out. Try to figure that out. Try to figure out what that said. Then I'd witness to them. And then they'd pray and they'd ask God to give them and save them. Then I'd take my pen and I'd say, looky here with me. I said, what's this little letter right here? say unto thee except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God remember that day you seen Jesus I don't know I wish I could stand here and say I'm going to receive all the crown I'm going to receive the blessings if you will from being there at that prison and witnessing to those young men but also, I had some help along the way. I had a dear lady, first of all, want to do something for Jesus. Huh? Just want to do something for Jesus. 
spoke volumes. Many of the young men have come to faith and trust in Christ from this little thing. They would see for the first time. Their blinded eyes would be opened. And Christ would come in their heart and life and change them. Notice what he says here. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also rests in hope. Well, I could go on and on and on time. Notice what it says here. David, see, David says I have security. Why? Because he says I see a Savior. He says, I can rest in hope. He said, even though that I myself may go to the grave, he said, there's a God in heaven and he still lives, he still rules, he still reigns. He's going to continue on. God is going to go on. But he says, I can rest in that hope because I can see Jesus down the road. Praise God. It ain't over till it's over. Huh? Boy, God's sovereignty will keep your safety in this troubled world. Quickly, verse number 11, I'll, I'll close. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand pleasure forevermore. You know what, path, what path of life God has in store for you tonight? You'll find it. Just get in his presence. Just get around where God's at and live for him and serve him and see what God will do with your life. Maybe you're here tonight. I don't know your need, don't know your heart, don't know your life. Maybe got burdens and storms and struggles but I want to assure you tonight there's a God in heaven there's still a Savior and his name is Jesus. He's still saving souls and changing lives. If you'll let him, he'll show you the path of life for you tonight. David had that confidence. He had that security because he's seen the Savior. Stand, give us a song with him of invitation as we come.